Faith inherits the promises, Numbers 13, 25 through 33. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. They came to Moses and Aaron, to all the congregations of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, Moses, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell there in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. If you don't know, the descendants of Anak were big people. Uh, the Amalekites dwell in the land of Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But, that word but there is very important, because obviously what Caleb is about to say is different from their... Uh, what they were, they weren't just presenting information, they were presenting it in a certain light. And Caleb is now saying, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying the land for which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came from the Nephilim, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. So, a little bit of introduction. The Israelites are on the cusp of entering into the land that God had promised them centuries earlier when he spoke to Abraham, their father, that he was going to give them this land. Genesis 13, 14 through 17, the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. Now, God had later on told Abraham that 400 years later, uh, they were going to go down into Egypt and be brought out and then come back into the promised land. And that's what we're seeing right now. In this passage, what is necessary for us to understand is that these 12 men were sent out by Moses at the command of God not to determine that the land was conquerable. That wasn't their job. Their job was re to reconnoiter the land and to bring back some intelligence. What we see is that these 12 men all walked the same land and they all saw the same thing. However, they came to different opposing conclusions. Right? Yeah. Ten of the spies saw one thing while two of them saw something else. What made the difference in what they saw? The bad or evil report was that which flowed through a lens of unbelief. The good report was one that flowed through a lens of faith. So let's go to the report of Caleb and Joshua. Numbers 13, 25 to 26. At the end of 40 days they returned. They came to Moses. They brought back word to them. Uh, Numbers 13, 30. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Numbers 14, 6-9, Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation, the people of Israel, the land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, 
He will bring us into this land and He will give it to us. Now remember, the bad report says we can't do it. But the good report says, God, if He delights in us, He will give it to us. He will bring us into the land, give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and most importantly, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Caleb didn't see the people of the land as an obstacle, but as an opportunity. Why? Because Caleb is reasoning differently. He is processing what he is seeing through a lens of faith. This lens was developed in his life because of the word of God, because the word of God had revealed to him, because of the word God had revealed to him and the works that God had done among them. In Numbers 14.11, the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have done among them? What kind of signs did he do? Exodus 3, 7 through 10. I have surely seen the affliction of my people. I know their sufferings. I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people has come to me, and I've seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, he's telling Moses, I will send you to Pharaoh. Moses goes, talks to the people. They say, yeah, that's awesome. Talks to Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, no way, I'm not letting you go. We know. Ten plagues later, ten plagues later, the Israelites are coming out. In Exodus 14, 30-31, the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Why? Because God had parted the sea. When everything around them said, there's no way we're getting out of this, God says, you say no way, I say Yahweh. <laughs> Moses lifted up his staff, the sea was parted, they go through the sea on, uh, and God had set the whole thing up. Here come the soldiers. You know, oh no, oh, well, God parted the sea, but we're dead now because they're coming through. It's like, no, got them right where we want them. And all of a sudden they get to the other side, and here comes the water. And now, of course, everything's great. Yay, God delivered us. Oh, it's awesome. And then they go three days into the desert. There's no water. Oh, God's terrible. He brought us out here to kill us. And so what does God do? Moses, throw that tree into the water. Now, tree, there's no, it's not, you know, people today want to say it was some kind of chemical reaction. No, it was, it was obedience and God doing a miracle among them and he made the bitter water sweet. Yes. Right? Amen. All the people witnessed what God had done. They all experienced the fulfillment of the promise of God by the power of God. They experienced the power of God feeding them in the wilderness because every day manna would come from heaven with the dew of the ground. They experienced God healing them, quenching them through their thirst, giving them supernatural victories. These signs and wonders were supposed to change the Israelites' way of thinking. But except for Joshua and Caleb and, of course, Moses and Aaron and them among the spies, it apparently did not. Psalms 103.7 says, He made known His ways to Moses and His acts to the people of Israel. Instead of learning about and trusting in God who was with them, they only received His acts of provision without any growth in their understanding. Our interactions with God are supposed to change the way we think, and that's important because we act according to how we think. 
as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Hebrews 11, 17 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, God said, go take your son, your only son, Isaac, the one I promised you, and I want you to take him up to a mountain, and I want you to sacrifice him on the mountain. Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, the promise that God had promised him. He, God asked for it, and he was given it back to God, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And so how can he do this? Because he considered, he thought, he reasoned to himself that God was even able to raise him from the dead. If God promised me that it was through Isaac that my seed was coming, and then God's asking me for Isaac, well, are you going to give me another Isaac? No. It's through Isaac. Then how's God going to do it? Abraham didn't think, I'm going to quit. I'm not going to sacrifice. I'm not going to do what God told me. He thought to himself, well, God must be able to raise him from the dead. And that's how we need to begin to reason. We need to begin to think. If you get a bad report and it's a disease that, that nobody's ever survived from, and then you can think to yourself, oh, I'm going to die. Or you can think to yourself, oh, wow, what a great opportunity for God to show himself strong. Amen. I'm going to be the first one that God heals in this. And then being the first one, I'm not going to be the only one. God, God's going to heal other people and other people. But see, it's just a different way of thinking. Romans 12 and 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Getting back to our text, God himself acknowledges Caleb's and Joshua's faith, and it's because of their faith that they will experience the promises of God in their lives. He basically says, no one of this generation is going in, but, Numbers 14 and 24, my servant Caleb, and of course Joshua as well, he will be the leader, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land. What kind of land? What was it called? The land of promise. And his descendants shall possess it. How do you possess the promises of God? By faith. Why did Caleb and Joshua possess the promises? Because they believed. Why did the same people that saw God do the same things, experience the same situations, the same miracles, the same deliverance, why did they not get to experience the promises? Was it available to them? Did God want them to have it? Yes. Why did they not experience it? Because they didn't believe. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Of course, you know the scripture. All, I just quoted it a while ago. All the promises of God find their yes in Him. Lord, is this for me? Yes. yes. You want me to possess this? Yes. Is, are you sure? Yes. yes. Are you willing? Yes. All the promises of God find their yes in Him. What it requires of us is that we come alongside and say, Amen. That is our confession of faith. We say, yes, Lord, to your yes. Amen. 
Romans 1, 16 and 17, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for the salvation, deliverance, healing to everyone who believes. believes. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, by faith, for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith, or by faith, the righteous shall live. I want to encourage you guys to believe. But Hebrews 11 says, Without faith it is impossible to please Him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Hebrews 11, 1-2. Faith is the assurance of the things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. I want to read this a little lengthy passage, but it's talking about the people in the wilderness. And we'll get, uh, it's uh, Hebrews 3, 7-14. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoke me as in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with this generation and said, They always go astray in their hearts, and they do not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. And I like what somebody said. They were wandering in their hearts, so they end up wandering in the wilderness. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it's still, still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, for we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. Remember, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. you got to hold fast to what God says. And then finally, Hebrews 12 and 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which cleaves so closely, and let us run with endurance that the race that is set before us. Ultimately, it's faith that possesses the promises of God. Faith is the lens that looks at life through a confident trust in God and what He says is true. Whether or not the circumstances we face agree with it or not at the present time, if we continue to hold on to what God says, eventually the circumstances will line up to what He says. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. You want to possess the promises of God, you've got to believe God. It's by faith that we see the promises of God manifest in our life. The children of Israel missed it, but the next generation got it. I want us to be a generation that learns from their mistakes and we learn how to walk by faith and we can possess all that God has promised us if we will but believe. For all the promises of God are yes, and all things are possible to those who believe. Amen.